here at the second Sunday of Lent. We're blessed to return to that one of my favorite passages and probably one we all cherish, the account of Jesus' transfiguration. A little foretaste of the goodness to come. Always a hopeful passage. A scene of divine revelation in proper place and time given to reinforce the confidence of his chief followers, but also to strengthen their resolve as dedicated disciples. If we look at the chapter of, of Mark the, that precedes today's passage in Mark chapter 8, Jesus prophesies to his followers the events at the end of the mission in Jerusalem, essentially that he is destined to suffer and to die and rise from the dead three days later. And unfortunately, you know, we, as we see as part of that, as part of that, uh, that narrative in the verses of 31 to 33, the disciples, beginning with Peter and probably, you know, kind of just lining up behind him with the same sentiments, they, they disapprove of this message. It disappoints. They don't respond well. It conflicts with their assumed image that they possess of what the Messiah should be. When the Lord's followers object to this through Peter's words, they admittedly admitting uh, they are admitting effectively that the Messiah that is uh, being advertised is insufficient. No, Lord, you will not die. They are thinking the kind of Messiah that. Most Jews at the time, and some even to this day, believe in is a conquering hero. That Jesus will lay siege to the enemies of Israel and restore the old earthly kingdom, the glory days, the golden days. This notion of winning the kingdom by surrendering it to the persecution and death and the poetic description that's given in Isaiah's prophecy is troubling. The head just won't wrap itself around it. And it's much, far more difficult even to support it at all. It doesn't make sense, Lord. It doesn't make sense. Well, as we've seen in today's gospel, the Lord is caring enough not to leave his followers unsettled in their anxiety, which is, though caused by poor understanding, you know, it's, it's, still, it's uh, still an anxiety that deserves to be dealt with. This scene on Mount Tabor, as it's believed to be said, you know, it's believed that uh, this is where it took place, you know, gives the leading apostles, Peter, James, and John, a glimpse of the glory that awaits at the end of the road, a resurrection, an eternal and incorruptible body fitting for eternal life with God who loves us. A dazzling moment that must have been. Jesus exhibits the proverbial snapshot of the goodness destined for those who follow the cross. Those who remain as committed disciples who persevere in the grace of peace and hope. Well, we are encouraged to do the same in our respective journeys. In a kind of way in our own Lenten journeys, but in the grand scheme of our journey of faith as well. We too ought to consider generously what manner of blessings we will, that will be awaiting us at the end of the road, and even our Lord will be generous enough to give us maybe a taste, a morsel of what that will mean. 
He's generous enough to, to give us that. Yet, as previously stated, the vision is granted not solely for the sake of our consolation, nor to appease our understanding, not perfectly anyways. As it says you know, at the very end of uh, Mark's passage, you know, Peter, James, and John were still wondering, what does he mean by rise from the dead? While they have a hopeful image in their mind, you can tell that their understanding is not totally satisfied. We, are receive, we receive such visions as these as consolation, but the vision de- demonstrated a taste of the resurrection as purpose to reinforce our resolve. We see this in the fact that when, when the vision is taking place, as our Lord is in that dazzling white, they see the fruits of, of what will be the resurrection, but the conversation that is taking place between Jesus, the uh, prophets of Moses and Elijah, concerned the suffering and death that awaited Jerusalem. Luke's, Luke's version of this event says, Behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. As everyone should be hopeful and mindful of the destination when they're driving. But never forget to keep their eyes on the road just ahead of them. Watch each step, so to speak. Every encouragement of faith should be coupled with a healthy reminder to remain faithful. Especially in the face of poor understanding. Or in the absence of it all together. It's not to say that no understanding will come. It does come. The good news of the gospel wasn't given so as to make us more reasonable human beings. Its purpose is to make us faithful followers. As I said, it's not to say that the elements of the faith will never bear explanation or that sufficient understanding will never come. Of course it will. Of course Our Lord will suffice. He will appease our anxieties. But understanding never precedes faith. The summons of Abraham to offer his only son as a sacrifice, for example, surely makes no sense. None whatsoever. At face value, the command is altogether counterintuitive, especially since he's been promised numerous times over that he would become the father of countless, countless children. And yet, he trusts all the same. And his own doubts and his limited understanding does not impede his faithful and obedient response. It's constantly been said from the ambo or or amongst ourselves in the circles in which we gather that we live in troubled times. Faith is tested. Faith is tried. But given all that we have seen, all that has been seen by others before us, all the saints who have lived their lives joyously, how much more are we expected to cling faithfully 
to the word of our Savior, even more so than Abraham himself. How much more is asked of us or should be expected of us? A good thought to circulate amongst ourselves during this Lenten season and certainly pray about. Prayer is the means of learning how to trust in the midst of short-sightedness or a little understanding. Without the conversations that precede, the countless intimate conversations that preceded that moment where our Lord asked for the only son of Abraham, if he didn't have all those walks with our Lord, those conversations, he would not have, it's, he would not have offered his son. Prayer is the gateway to trusting the word of our Savior. We cannot walk this Lent, much less the larger journey of faith without it. If we do not pray, we will be prayed upon. Let us keep that in mind. But always continue to pray, especially in difficult times or in times of frustration, that our trust grow, our courage and our faith be made steadfast by this grace. It is not blindness. It is not a blind faithfulness. But we do not admit that our sight, our, our sight is perfect. It has its limits. And before all else, before long, we always will have to come to a point of surrender. Lord, I can't see anymore. Guide my steps. Let us pray to prepare for that. And as, as the faith has brought so many to the treasures of faith before us, keep in mind he will do the same with you. Thanks be to God.